Good morning, everybody. My name is Mike Williams. I have been with you in the past. If you have been at this church for the past 30 years, I have been here for moments, uh, most of the time in the other building, uh, banquets and things like that. Sometimes I get, oh, you're funny, you're only allowed to be at banquets. And so, and because of that, I now weigh 290 pounds, okay? Uh, I'm always invited to the places where food is involved, so somehow that is, that is it. Uh, I pastored for a while, so it's good to be in the pulpit today. Uh, I get to speak in pulpits about a hundred times a year and enjoy it greatly, and I love the Lord and love to share from His Word. Now, you were probably saying, if you were observant, you might have said, well, Mr. Williams, you walked into the pulpit there. I did not see a Bible in your hand. Ah, nay, nay. Uh, I am now one of those people who use this right here. And now the reason I do it is because I can blow it up as big as I need it, okay? I went through all the variations of the Bible, okay? I went through the large print, the giant, the extra giant. I had the Helen Keller edition for a while. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I have, I have glasses right here, you know, and I started with the, the 1.0, and then I went to the 2.0, and now I have the Hubble, is what it says on it right there. And so this is helpful for me. So I find it uh, helpful to uh, be able to just blow it up a little bit and try to memorize. I'm still young enough where I can do a little bit of that today, but it's an honor to be with you. Uh, I was asked, Don asked me today, he said, Mike, he said, are you going to do the same jokes you did when you were here 10 years ago? And, and I said to him, I said, what jokes did I do? And he said, I can't remember. So I said, no. All right? And so, Don, if you hear repeated jokes today. No, we're not going to do jokes today. We, we don't really have a lot of time for that in a Sunday morning program. And we'll bring a little humor in there. If you laugh a little bit, great. And Don leaned over to me. He helped me put this on. And he said, remember, he said, the air conditioners shut off. Uh, at 1130, so you need to make sure you're wrapped up by then. I said, why do you do that? He said, because it keeps the pastors moving along, okay? <laughs> and so, I, hey, you laugh about this. I was at the Springs Church in Ocala, Florida, and, and another beautiful church, okay? Um, Springs Church, they have right here where you have the, the wall and the cross, it's beautiful. They have a 40-foot waterfall right there. Oh, it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And But it, when I set up and before the service, it was not a waterfall. It was just a rock wall. They didn't have the water running. And, and I was in the green room. This church has a green room, okay? It's where pastors get ready to come and speak. And you sit back there on leather couches and chairs, and they have finger sandwiches and ginger ale so the pastors can prepare to speak just the way Jesus used to do it. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, you, just, <laughs> you enjoy it when you can, okay? And, uh, so, and they have a producer, okay, for every service there who stands at the door and says, all right, you're up next and you're up. I'm not saying it's right, ma'am. I'm just saying, talk to them, talk to them about it, okay? I didn't set it up, okay? And Mr. Williams, uh, it, it will be ready for you in three minutes, okay? So I'm ready to go out there. And I come walking out and I'm talking and it's a waterfall. Okay? It is beautiful, but it's, it's a waterfall. Folks, I'm 60 years old. 
I can't speak for 40 minutes with water running behind me. Are, are you with me? Anybody else in my camp? Okay. Some, thank you, brother. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And, and all of a sudden, I'm dancing around up here. <laughs> and, and I look back at the sound man. I said, Mr. Sound Man, if you have any control, can you turn the waterfall off? Because if not, we're going to have to have three intermissions during my, my message this morning. And they did. They turn off the water. One of the deacons came up to me after the program. He said, Brother Williams, that waterfall is the best $40,000 we ever spent since we put in the waterfall. Preacher ain't gone longer than 12 minutes on a Sunday. And so, so uh, get you a waterfall. That's what you need to do. It's great to be here today. I told my wife years ago, I said, if I could pastor any church in Lakeland for beauty of church, it would be right here. God has given you a location. And uh, I, I told, uh, I was speaking to Julie beforehand and I said, boy, I'd put windows right behind here, you know. And, and she said, well, you know, if we have too much beauty, then we don't look at the pastor. And I said, I said well, maybe that's good, okay? That's, that's all right. The heavens declare the glory of God, amen? And the earth declares who, who is. When, when you look at every tree out there, every bird that's singing today, they're joining us in our praise today to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would you bow and pray with me today before we open the word to Luke chapter 10? Heavenly Father, mm, we thank you for this beautiful day. Father, we regret the loss of lives that we remember this Memorial Day. But we relish and revel in the great sacrifices those men made and women made that we might worship you here today. Father, we honor them and we honor you. Now, Father, I will do my best to distract these people, these good people, from all the stuff of the week, the newscasts, the Facebook posts that have brought distress to our heart, phone calls from family members that made us ask why and what and how, and Father, even those diagnoses that we heard from doctors, I will do my best to distract these folks from those. And I ask that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would speak far beyond what I could ever say or imagine to say. Because Father, if you speak to us today, then the work has been done. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. I truly do believe that my job is to distract folks from the weak so that we can have a moment with 
God. Luke chapter 10, would you find it there? Luke chapter 10. In fact, when I start here today, you're going to say, wow, I could have stayed home and got the barbecue grill pumping earlier. Why is that? Because you're going to go, I know this scripture. I know this verse. I've heard it a hundred times. It's been preached from this podium. It's been preached in Bible school and camps. And I know this, Mike. I don't, there's nothing you could add to this. You know what? Maybe so. But let's listen to it again and let's let God speak to our hearts and add to us. What I do know is every time we open the word, if we're willing, God will speak to us. I believe that. Do you believe that today? Wow, good, strong, 40%. Uh, good, I'm, 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 I'm up. That's higher than a presidential rating. No, I'm not going. I'm sorry, I'm not, that was a joke. I'm not going there. I, I don't do political humor, okay? I, 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 we, we can't do it anymore, okay? No political humor. I don't know. The only thing I know about politics, my father taught me when I was about 13. He said, Mike, he said, politics is a, is a conjoined word. It's two words in one. Poly, which means many, and ticks, which are blood-sucking creatures. Okay, that's, that's, so that's, that's all I know. That's all I know about, about politics. In Luke chapter 10, we find the story of where Jesus begins to explain the narrative of who is my neighbor. Now, you remember the story here, a lawyer... A, a, a professional in the, in the law. Now, more than likely, most likely, we're talking about the biblical law. So, so good chance this was a Pharisee. And he's speaking to Jesus here, and he asks those great questions, and I'm going to skip the earlier questions because I could do five parts on this, and you could do. But we get down to this question. The Pharisee, after, after repeating the words from Holy Scripture itself, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, you can say it with me, right? Thy strength, thy mind, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This lawyer says, but Jesus, who is my neighbor? And, and there he is. I can picture him standing in front of his house with Jesus and going, okay, Jesus, I understand this guy's my neighbor and this guy's my neighbor, but does the neighbor thing cross the street? Does it work for those across it? What about people catty corner to me? I, I, maybe he would have said to Jesus, Jesus, come with me to the backyard. You aren't going to believe what the neighbor behind me is doing. Okay, Jesus, he's got three trucks and a boat back there, and you can't see him right now because the grass has grown up so high, and he doesn't cut it. In fact, my, my property is worth 10,000 denarii less because of that guy, and, and you know we're taught to be good stewards, Jesus. How do I love that neighbor? Is he in the neighbor count? And before we throw our Pharisee friend under the bus, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a neighbor that's hard to get along with? Have you? Th thank you. Thank you for the honesty. Right, right. We've, we've all had a neighbor. They say fences make good neighbors. Have you heard that? Fence I've had neighbors you couldn't get a fence high enough to be, make them a good neighbor. All right, you're with me, brother. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Fences make good neighbors. No, not, not all the time. Not all the time. And this guy is ask, asking a legitimate question, who is my neighbor? Now, now, let me stop here for just a second and say, I went to theological training, school, education, seminary, however you want to articulate it in your verbiage here. I was trained to get up here and give you three points 
All of those points would start with the same letter. That's called alliteration. And I would close with a poem or a song. But that was never the way that Jesus preached. In fact, the longest sermon that Jesus ever preached can be read with great pause in about three and a half minutes. So really, if I go any longer than that today, I'm way out of favor, all right? But let's listen to the Jesus sermon because Jesus spoke in stories that we could all find ourselves in. He spoke in, in, in messages of, of, of media that allowed us to say, oh, I'm that guy, or I'm that guy, or I'm that guy. And so that we could remember it. You remember the stories of the Bible. You don't remember the sermons of hundreds that you've heard, point one, two, or three. So I'm going to simply let the story and Jesus' words speak to us today, if that's all right with you. In John chapter, uh, John, 60 years old. In Luke, and not only am I 60, but I'm high mileage and my check engine light is on, okay? In Luke chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus goes on to answer our, our lawyer and explain to us exactly who our neighbor is. And, and we're going to learn today who our neighbor is. And Jesus starts out with a story. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now to understand this, Jesus was saying that a neighbor is not necessarily someone who's demographically or geographically your neighbor. Jesus is saying, don't limit neighbor to the guy on your left and the guy on your right or the guy across the street or the guy behind you because he's about to describe the neighbor as the one who's actually even traveling through. Ouch. I'll tell you, if there's one thing I've learned from the internet is that there is no longer a far away. We are all connected. The fact that we know what's going on in the Ukraine today in real time. We don't have to wait four or five months to find out about it. The world is now more than any time in the past our neighbor. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and it says he fell among thieves. Has anybody ever been robbed? Who in here has been robbed? Raise your hand if you've been robbed, okay. Have you ever been robbed at gunpoint? Who's been robbed at gunpoint, okay? Been robbed at gunpoint. Tell, what, what happened? We gotta hear that story. You wanna hear that story more than my sermon right now, okay. It's okay. What, what, where, where did it happen? Walmart, that's all you have to say, isn't it right there? <laughs> you could start out any story. We, we, we was at Walmart, okay? Right there. Okay, and you were working at Walmart? I was giving another uh, kid a break. It was 8.30 and it was uh, Well, you don't have to, really. Yeah, you can just mention to me. Yeah, yeah, right. Very, very, very scary. Um, now, so they, you gave her the money. She put it in the purse along with the, uh, the, 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 the gun, the gun, and, and casually strolls out of the... Well, you think about it, the, the original robbery took place in a garden. 
Theology, folks, sorry, didn't mean to bring that up. <laughs> didn't mean to go jump so far back right there. Um, it says that the stranger was robbed. He fell among thieves, and they stripped him of his raiment. Now, let me ask you a question. Did the lady want your clothing too? Aren't you glad of that, brother? Okay? I'm just saying. Now, I work, some of you know this, I've worked for many years in the Dominican Republic. My wife and I served for missionaries down there for a long time. There are certain mountains that I don't go to in the middle of the night because I know if I go up that mountain as a stranger, in the middle of the night, there's going to be a tree down. I'm going to stop to move that tree. And all of a sudden, out of the bushes are going to come people to help. Those people are going to be wearing police uniforms. Who knew? Don't ask. Now, they're going to move the tree, but in moving the tree, they're also going to charge me a little tax. They're going to take everything in my wallet. They're going to take my wallet. They're going to take my credit card. They're going to take everything in the car. They may take the tires. They're going to take the battery. They might take the car. The other thing they're going to take is my clothes. By the way, I want to invite you on a mission trip with me someday, okay? Anytime you'd like to come down with me, I'd love to take you up, show you the exact place, okay? Uh, now they're, they're going to take your clothes. Now, you might say, Mike, why would they do that? You might say, some churches might say, because it's hard to get help when you're naked. Don't, don't, don't get upset with me for saying naked. Talk to Jesus. It's his story. Look, you think we're conservative now? Try 2,000 years ago. Shut up. All right? Jesus told the story. He took, well, I, here, here's the deal. We're going to talk about the Good Samaritan today. You know where we're going. You know where we're going to end up. I bet today, if we drove out of this church today, and there was a, a truck with its hood up out there, smoke billowing from the radiator. We've all had that before at some point in our lifetime. We, we know what it's like. And there's a guy standing out there, and he obviously has no cell phone. And there he is standing there. And so we're, we're passing by. We just heard a message on the Good Samaritan. I'll bet everybody in this room would at least crack the window a little bit and go, is there somebody I can call for? you. Change the scenario. Same guy, same truck, same foam spewing out of the radiator. Guy standing there waving us just like the other guy was, but now he's naked. I'm not even stopping for him, okay? You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm preaching on the Good Samaritan. You're not going to stop for him, no. It changes the scenario, and Jesus is talking about a broken person on the side of the road who's had everything taken from him. And he's been wounded. He's bleeding, it says. And these thieves departed, leaving him half dead. Now we go to the narrative. Verse 31, find it there. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. A priest, everybody say priest. Everybody say priest. And it says when he saw him, everybody say saw him. What does it say the priest did? Help me out. What does it say? You tell me. Priest went all the way around the other side. Oh, that priest. You know how those pastors are. Tell you to do one thing and live another way. Before we throw our priest friend under the bus, can we ask why he did it? Let's understand that we are living at a time here that this verse was written. We're living at a time that the priest's job was to, every Sabbath day, 
Go before God and represent the people. Their theology said that priest had to go before God, holy, clean, unstained from the world. In fact, his job during the week was to keep himself from anything that was dangerous, anything that was unclean. To the, to the extent that, that he had people uh, called the Levites who would help him do the work of the church so that he could remain totally focused on God and do that work. His theology, I'm here to say, his theology wouldn't let him help. Here's a broken man. He's bleeding. He's naked. I wonder, brother, I wonder if the priest got up that next Sabbath time as he began to talk about the goodness and greatness of God, as he began to read out of Micah chapter 6 and talk about, talk about justice for the poor and helping the oppressed, I wonder if he wasn't brokenhearted inside because somehow with all of the verses they had in their holy scripture about justice and helping the poor that somehow he was not allowed to do it. Before we throw our priest under the bus, let's understand his side of the story. So let's move on here. Let's move on. Uh, verse 32. And likewise came a Levite. We all know who the Levites were, right? They invented Levi's. Very, very good folks. Good folks. No, no, they didn't. Don't, 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 don't believe that. Don't, okay. People are going to go home three years from now. They're going to be having a friend. You know the Levites invented Levites. Okay, no, I made that up. They might have, but, but I don't know that for sure. Okay, now let's, let's examine. Who were, who were the Levites? The Levites were the deacons in the church. They were the musicians. Brother, I'm going to walk back to my musician, brother, right back here. Love that guitar playing today. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. What a low voice, man. I like that too, rocking it. I'll tell you, brother, um, you, you would have been a Levite, okay? You would have been considered in that crew. Where, where's my, my elders of the church, deacons of the church? Where, where, where are you guys? You, you would have been, hey, brother, back there, you did the cajon back there. Thank you. You, you would have been a Levite, okay? These were the guys that helped that priest make sure that he was able to stay holy, and so now we've got the Levite comes by, and it says that the Levite, it says there that the Levite saw him. Everybody say, saw him. And what does it say that he did? Tell me, what does it say? He did the same thing, right? Now, what, what's the reason for that? Oh, yeah, it's the Levites. It's, it's the deacons and elders and musicians that aren't doing it. Oh, they can get up there and sing on Sunday. Yeah, but no. Let's understand that their theology said, if you're sick, if you're broken, if you're injured, if you're hurting, you're that way because God is punishing you because either you sinned or your father sinned or your grandfather sinned. This is a punishment God has put on you. So the last thing I want to do is interfere with God. Amen? None of us want to do that. If God is doing a work, we don't want to mess with it. And their theology said... This guy's broken for a reason. Walk away. I always felt for the Levites who had to get up there on Sunday, or excuse me, <laughs> the Sabbath day. Let's not talk about that today. We'll do that another time. I got a feeling maybe we won't do that another time. Okay. Uh, 
they had to get up there and lead the folks. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the king. But yet know that somehow this God of greatness would not touch the broken. Uh, on, on a side note, brother, I got to tell you, I would not have wanted to be a musician back in the Old Testament days. I mean, think about this for just a second, if you don't mind. Can you imagine back in Joshua's time? Let me take you back to another story. They're standing around. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. You ready for this? And, and Joshua calls his army leaders together. He goes, all right, tomorrow we got to go out and fight the Jebusites, the Hittites, the parasites. If it ends with ites, we're fighting them tomorrow. We are outnumbered 20 to 1. Does anybody got any ideas? All right, Joshua. Lowell, I'm Vinny from the tribe of Jersey. Thank you, brother. Next time, let's just you and I get together and we'll talk for a while. And <laughs> I got this idea, right? Okay, listen for just a second. Give me just a minute. Forget about it. Okay? Instead of all of us with our armor right there. I saw you look at your watch, brother. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ADD. No, 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 I'm just messing with you. Relax, you're fine. Instead of tomorrow, all the guys with the armor going out there, we take the musicians, we put them in front. Hey, it would have been rough to be a musician back in those days. The musicians, can you imagine? They didn't have a lot of instruments back there. They, they had a flute. Can you imagine a guy marching into battle? I mean, back then, these were manly men. They would have shot a guy with a flute if he was a friend. You know what I'm saying? You know, what, they, they, had, they had a harp. That was the modern guitar for them right there, the, the harp. Now, now, with a guitar, I mean, you can look manly. But how do you, how do you look mean with a harp? You know what, what, what is you know, I, I don't know. Tough place to be. The Levite. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, ouch, that was a word that didn't get spoken out loud too much in the Hebrew tradition. It would have been similar to a negative word, almost like a swear word. It would have at least been a word that you would have only used in very negative conditions. In fact, kids probably called each other that. But a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where the broken man was. And when he saw him, so he saw him too, right? Everybody say, saw him. He had compassion on him. Now, there's a difference between compassion and going around the other way, isn't there? It says when he saw him, he had compassion. What is compassion? Compassion is, is uh, people go, it's like empathy. No! Empathy is, oh, man. Ooh, glad that's not me. Oh man, that had to hurt. Oh, I feel sorry for that guy. See you later. Compassion 
is empathy in action. Compassion is empathy with response. And it says when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and, and, and he went to him, and, and he bound up his wounds, and he poured oil and wine. What was that? Was he making a salad? No. That, that was, the oil was the medicine of the day. The, the wine was, was the, was, was the uh, antiseptic of the time. He poured oil and wine and, and put him on his own beast. He took a naked guy, put some, I wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't have done that. Naked people aren't getting in my car, okay? I'm just telling you. I would have called an Uber donkey. That's what I would have done back then. I said, get me a donkey down here. Yes, hopefully one with final. <laughs> and he brought him to an inn. What's an inn? The word inn is used in the Bible in a number of different ways. Uh, we know it most of the time from the story of Mary and Joseph. They were looking for a what? An inn. Okay? And we often think of that. We think of like, oh, Holiday Inn, Motel 6, Super 8, Ramada Inn, Days Inn. No, 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 no. You have to remember at that time, their theology said everybody had to keep everyone, every, every Jewish household had to keep a room, a spot in their house for strangers who were passing through. And you would knock on a door and you would find out if they had room in their inn, their spot. The word inn could be used for a hospital. If you were sick and you needed an inn, you need a hospital. If you, were, if you had theological questions, you could say, I'm, I'm looking for the answer of the inn. I'm looking for someone who is, is a, in those days, a rabbi who can, who can teach me. This church is an inn. It's an inn for people who need to understand God. They come here. The minister gets up. He explains the good word. It's an inn. Lighthouse Ministries is an inn. I'm going to drop this in right here for a couple of reasons. One is you are greatly connected if you don't know this. You are greatly connected at the hip to Lighthouse Ministries because our two, one of our two founders came from your church. The ministry that's not a mile up the street, that, that serves 160 neighbors every night was birthed partially out of this church. Praise God. What a legacy you have. Praise, woo, can I get a woo? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that's, I've never heard this church woo ever, okay? That, that, yeah, it, it's, it's okay. Praise God. We want to be a part. We pray God use us. God, send us into your field, but not me. Send somebody else there. But your church didn't. You stepped up to the pump, and in those early years, so much of everything that was built was because of you guys. So let me say this. On behalf of Lighthouse Ministries, thank you. Thank you. For those of you who don't know about Lighthouse, let me give you a quick explanation. Men, women, and women with children who life has broken them. You know, you may say, oh, I know some of the stories of the men in there. I know some are alcoholics, some are drug addicts. Yeah, that's true. Here's what I know from working there. 
Here's what I know from my time there in meeting these guys and meeting these guys and meeting these girls and I hear their story and I realize that any one of them could have been me and it could have been you. Oh, Mike, I'm a committed Christian. Come on down. Let me introduce you. Let me introduce you to some committed believers. Jim, let me me introduce you to, to Jim, okay? who grew up in the church, worked in the church, worked in some of the biggest churches here, but life went crazy and life fell apart. And here he is at 55 years of age, never in his life having done this before, and he sticks a crack pipe in his mouth. Things can go awry. And if you don't experience that in your life, I hope you stop and thank God every day that you were spared from that tragedy. But we all know kids that grew up in good homes and good families under good tutelage and good education in good churches and good youth groups with great teachers and great families that something happened. I think of Joel, worship leader in his church, goes off to a Christian college, Christian college. And there they are, they're going, you know what? All these people, everybody we bring up to college to speak has this wonderful testimony of how they came from drugs and came from alcohol. And they're sitting around there going, we never did any of that. They said, maybe we ought to go out and drink beer just so we could at least say we had that testimony. And he became an alcoholic and he lost his ride to college. And he came back here, and one thing led to another, and an accident put him in place, and now he's a drug addict. But he's a church kid. Grew up in church, loves God, and he needed an in. And you helped start that. I wanna tell you today, he's rescued and recovered, and he's doing great. John, stand up for just a second. This is John, everybody, meet John. John's my buddy. John's one of, you can sit back down now. Don't be prideful. (laughs) John's one of about 30% of the folks at Lighthouse who now work there who came through the program. John grew up in a family that didn't get the breaks that our other guys did. John grew up in a family where all he saw was the other side. And that's the direction that he went because that's what he was told about. But, you know, thanks to the word of God, God stuck him in jail for five and a half months down there at Grady Judd's house. And all he had, he, he was what they call a 23-1. I don't know if you know what that is. 23-1 means that you're pretty much, you're in lockdown for 23 hours a day. You get one hour a day out. How'd you like that? In the cell with two or three other guys. He said, all I had to do the whole time was to read the Bible. And he did. Praise God. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Capable of piercing and dividing asunder soul and spirit. Wow. And that word began to take shape, but he got out, and, 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 but he crashed. And he goes, why? Because we also need people around us, don't we? He needed a family of believers to help lift him up. He needed somebody to come along and say, I'll get you on the mule. 
I'll put you there. I'll get you in there. Come on, come on. And, and he got to come to Lighthouse. And now his life has been completely transformed. Powerful young man. He's a walking, talking Bible, okay? I'll tell you, you know, I'm seriously, okay? But I love that. I love to see people who are fired up about Jesus, who haven't lost their excitement for the word of God. And now he serves as our chief cook. He fixes the meals down there. He's a graduate of the program. John, God bless you. We give you applause today. Thank you. Just think about it. Back in 1977, you planted that. Isn't that powerful, John? This church in 1977, helped by a liquor store. That had to be hard to explain. Imagine calling the pastor back then, hey, Lord led us to buy a liquor store. I think you need to come in and chat. And they opened it up. Back in 1977, Lakeland streets were filled with veterans who had come home from Vietnam who didn't, didn't come back altogether, who were broken and self-medicating long before we knew what PTSD was. And your lighthouse opened their doors and said, we've got an end for you. So I'm here today to say thank you. I'm here to say, keep up the good work. I'm here to say, bravo. I've been here for some of your mission conferences. I know your commitment to missions, not just here, but around the world. Praise God for that. Keep up the good work, church. Don't give up. Now's not the time to slow down. Now's the time to shift into the next gear and make this church be the next round. I love to see our young people who are here. Praise God. You old folks start letting go a little bit. What if they fail? Let them fail. You're there to help lift them up. That's the job. Okay, now I gotta go. I haven't even checked the time here. Oh, 11.31. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I grew up Baptist. We started at 11 o'clock sharp and ended at 12 o'clock dull. And so that was my, that was our, our thing. That was our thing. I'm going to do two things for you. One, one is I want to tell you something. We're going to close up. This might be the most unconventional close up ever. Get over it. Uh, oh, there's a clock right here. <laughs> you really had to put one back there for us. <laughs> I'm wandering around out there. If I'd have known this, we'd have been home by now, okay? (laughs) You know, Don, what you need to do is get you one of those countdown clocks that actually counts down. Pastor, you've got three minutes. Kick it in gear, you know? Your pastor won't say in closing three times if you do that, okay? I'm just saying. Folks, this book has a lot to do with you. If you'd like to read about Lighthouse Ministries, I want to give you one of these books. I want you to hear what your church has helped, been a foundation in doing. All right, I want you to read that book. If you, if you want that book, you, uh, you grab one back there. John will be back there. He'll be happy to dig some out, absolutely free of charge. If you're sitting there and you're going, wow, there was not enough comedy for me today, I have a USB drive back there. You can plug it into your car and play six hours of laughter. That's way too much, okay? I don't even think you can do that and go to heaven, okay? But, but I do share my testimony on that. Very simply, in a nutshell, my life used to be nothing but smoking, drinking, fighting, and foul language until I decided to quit church softball. Okay, so that's, that's, the, that's the... 
In your hands is a bulletin. Everybody hold it up, the Lighthouse Bulletin. Now you'll see in there, there's a little tear-off sector in there. Do you see that right there? Here's what I'm going to ask today. Look at me for just a second now that you've found it. If there's anybody who needs one wave, John is going to deliver them to you right now if you, if you need one. Here's what I'm going to ask you today. We're going to have an, an invitation for the church, but I want to have a, a Lighthouse invitation very quickly. Lighthouse needs you as much today as it needed you 45 years ago. Are you with me? I need prayer partners, and I happen to know and was demonstrated today that this is a praying church. I need a church that will come alongside and say, I'll be part of the prayer team for Lighthouse. Now, I don't need you to pray that God will send prayer partners. He's already sent them. They're right here. Okay? I need you to step up and say, I'll be a prayer partner. How does that work, Mike? Every Wednesday, you'll receive a text to your phone. How many of you have a, a handheld device of some sort? Okay, good, strong percentage of you, okay? How many of you have a VCR at home still? Okay. Does it still blink? Does it blink? We won't need that, okay? We'll be okay without that, but I was just checking. I just wanted you to feel bad, okay? <laughs> On Wednesday, you will get a little message from myself or our Executive Director Steve Turbyville, and or one of our team around there a couple weeks ago was John, okay? And we will ask you to pray for one specific area of Lighthouse. We're going to ask you to pray for a mission that you started. Are you with me? And then what we ask you to do is just simply throughout the week, when you bow your head for prayer, when you get up in the morning, when you, when you take your shower, whatever, remember Lighthouse and pray for Lighthouse. Number two, and it's available on that folder there. If you have never been and seen what you built, I want to invite you down, okay? I want you to check off that little box that says I'm interested in volunteering or I'm interested in a tour. We use the same box because it fit on the page, okay? Right there. And we'll send you information and I'm going to invite you to come down. I'll give you a tour of the place and, and buy you lunch. John will make the lunch, we got the full service right here. You can call ahead and order whatever you want. He's not going to make that, but you can order it, okay? You can have expectations that will be let down in that portion of the Lighthouse Tour, okay? Hopefully, if you're a prophet, you'll be able to request that which we already have. Okay, that was way over my head too. All right, folks, maybe you'd be interested. I'll tell you what I need greatly right now. I need women and men who would be mentors for one hour a week who would come in and meet with a young lady who's never had a mom, a good mom, and that you would help them learn how to be a good mom. I would love to have men who know what it's like to be a Christian man, to come alongside some of our young men who didn't grow up in a Christian home and say, I'll be a mentor. Don't ask for God to send laborers to ours. Ask for God to give you permission to be the laborer. All right. Now there's another little one down there. And boy, that would be great too. 
You know, you see these guys on the side of the road, they have that little sign, help, and we all go by and we feel guilty if we don't help because we, I mean, we just heard a Samaritan sermon. Let me tell you what, most of the time our money on the side of the road doesn't help. In fact, much of the time it hurts. Much of the time what we're doing is saying, here, continue your addiction. But you know what? If you might say, well, I'd give a couple quarters a day. If you could give a couple quarters a day, if you could give 50 cents a day to Lighthouse, we'll take that and turn that into transformation in the lives of men, women, and women with children. If you would be willing to be one of those partners, that's on there too. On your way out today, I would hope that you'd drop by the booth, stick your hand out to John and say, John, I'll be praying for you. Keep up the good work. I hope you'll come by. I hope you'll drop your paper in the bucket back there and we can set up a time for you to come for a visit or come for a meal or, or maybe you're interested in information on mentoring. I'd love for that to happen. I'd love for you to come by and stick out your hand and say, Mike, that was the best sermon I ever heard preached at this church. Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, but I'm just saying if you wanted to humor me, that would be fantastic, okay? No, no, listen. We're partners together. Do you get it? Now I got to wrap up the message, message, and then we're going to go home. We've had a good day today. It's a beautiful day outside. We're going home to a wonderful day, the latest day that God has made. Church, open your eyes. Who is your neighbor? I don't need to start far away. I've got neighbors on each side of me. Do you know their names? Do you know their names? Start there. You can find out. A little internet search will do fine. Go to Polk County Property Appraisers. Look up the property next to you. You can find out their names and what they owe. So you can find out if they're really as wealthy as they look too, by the way. <laughs> hey, you laugh. Don't think they haven't looked at you either. Okay, work. Okay. Yes, it's there. It's public record. All right. Find out who they are. Pray for them by name. Start with them. Let's begin to be the salt and light in our own community. And if we would commit to that today, I'm not looking for a big invitation. I'm looking for that commitment from Lake Morton Church to know who our neighbors are and to begin to pray for them. That will tell us whether we really want the Great Commission fulfilled or not. It must start there. Heavenly Father, as we contemplate the truth of your word, Father, I pray that we would be more than empathetic, but I pray that would be, we would be people of compassion, empathy, and action. I pray that today we would uh, understand who our neighbors are and begin the journey of prayer for our neighbors. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.